so open your Bibles. Make sure you have the handout. I have some extra if you didn't get one. Something to write with and open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. As you guys uh, remember, some, some of you weren't here last Sunday, but you guys remember that we're going through this series that I've titled The Countercultural Christian. You know, the Christian who's different to the culture, the Christian who's, who's very very the opposite of the culture today. And in First Peter chapter 1, and starting in verse 13 and all the way to chapter 2 to verse 3, uh, we're, we've been looking at those five commands in that long section of, of the commands that we are to obey as Christians so that we can be different to the culture and actually have impact in the culture. Um, we looked at the hopeful expectation of Christ's return. That was the first mark that Peter taught us a couple of Sundays ago. The Christian who looks forward to Jesus Christ appearing, his second coming, right? That's countercultural because young people today and even Christians today don't really think about that, right? That Jesus Christ is going to come back at any time. Sec- the second mark was a holy lifestyle in in all of our behaviors, in, in, the, in the unholy culture that we live in today. That's countercultural because even, even a lot of Christians today don't think about holy living, right? Peter, Peter said, you, you put off all these things that used to characterize you as an, as an unbeliever, right? That's the old you. So put that off and put on holiness, be holy for I am holy. Um, God is telling us to be holy just like he is. And this morning, we're going to look at the third command. It's different. It's not about Jesus Christ's second coming. It's, it's kind of related to holy living, but, but it's a, a different command. It's in verse 17 through 21. You guys remember what that third command is? So look forward to Jesus Christ's return, right? Be holy. And then, Rachel? Yes, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay here on earth. So it has that word fear. So we can just say, um, fear God. That's the third command. Okay, fear God. So on your handout there, the, this is the, the first fill in the blank. A healthy fear. So this is the third mark of, okay, of a Christian who's so different to the culture. A healthy fear of our heavenly Father. A healthy fear of our Heavenly Father. So let's read chapter 1. Just follow as I, as I read it. Verses 17 through 21. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. That's the main command of this section. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, your hopeless way of life, 
inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. We'll get to that section um, later on, but I want you guys to focus on that main command in verse 17. Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Okay? Let me ask you this question as a way of introduction. What, what, since the topic is fear, okay, I, just, I, want, I want you guys to think about fear, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. Um, what, what are you guys fearful of? Yes, Isaiah. Fear of man. Okay, what else? Any phobias that you guys have or, or, or know of people? Yes. Clowns. Yeah. That's good. Anyone else? Yes. Heights. There's a name for that, right? I don't remember. Something phobia. Like tall people or, or like? <laughs> yeah, in the back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, where you're going to go after death. Yes, Jonathan. What he said too? Yep. It's a good thing to be thinking about, but we'll talk about what kind of fear that is. Um, I, I looked up some, some uh, more of on the unique side of fears, right, phobias. There's, uh, there's one that's called ergophobia. Fear of work. <laughs> Fear of work. Um, there's another one called decidophobia. Fear of making decisions. Okay. And another one, nom nomophobia. Fear of not having your phone. Fear of not having your phone. Now, what have, what have people been fearing these past two years the most, you think, generally speaking? COVID, right? COVID-19, um, you know, th the fear of COVID-19, the fear of the Delta variant. Now there's the fear of the Omicron variant. Now, you take all of those fears, especially, you know, what we've been fearing these past two years. What do you think is the most, wh what do you think is the common denominator fear of all those fears? Death, right? We sang it earlier, right? Death. Uh, I'm forgetting the, the exact words, but de death was our master, right? Our greatest opponent, right? That line from that one song. Um, but through Jesus Christ, you can be freed from the fear of death. Um, and you guys know that the Bible in Hebrews chapter 4 says that, says that we, 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 unbelievers fear death. Because, because, they are, because they are enslaved to, to that. Hebrews chapter 4, you can read it. I think it's like verse 10 or 11 or 12. 
it, uh, the author says there that unbelievers are under the, the slavery of the fear of death. And like we sang er- earlier, Jesus Christ through the gospel frees us from that fear. So you can take a lot of the fears that, we, that, that, that you guys mentioned, and most likely the common denominator of that is the fear of death. Okay? So, we fear all kinds of things, like you guys mentioned, but the Bible says that we're, we're to fear one person, and that is God. Okay, that's what I want to focus on this morning, the command of fearing God. Okay, that we are to fear God. Now, the, fe- the fear of God is an important topic, and the Bible talks about it a lot, okay? A lot. Do, um, I haven't been in, in, in my office these past two weeks, but I've been preparing for, you know, last Sunday and then, and then today. So I've just been, I, I, I just took a bunch of books, you know, out of my office and, and brought them to my house. And uh, ev- like every two, three mornings, I'd go to Starbucks, you know, at 4.30 and just read these books. Um, and uh, I go there because, you know, our kids wake up and then I can't study. So I got I to gotta get out of the house. And the earliest, uh, the closest Starbucks that opens the earliest is 4.30. I'm like, okay, good. Um, so I've been reading these books. Last week, I, I read J.C. Ryle's Holiness, right? So that really helped me think about that second command of be holy in all your behavior. And this week, I, I, I was reading um, a book uh, called The Forgotten Fear. The Forgotten Fear is by Al, Al Martin. And the subtitle is, Where Have All the God-Fearers Gone? He's saying, where are they? The point, the point is that uh, the Bible talks about the fear of God all over the Bible, right? Yet you go to churches, they don't really teach about the fear of God, right? You talk to Christians, they don't, we, we don't really think about uh, fearing God. And, and, um, and, and that's, that's sad, you know, uh, that churches don't teach about it. And, and Christians don't think about it as much, yet it's all over the Bible. So um, I'm actually going to help you define what that is, the fear of God, and look at, look at, how, you know, look at other many passages this morning, and then next Sunday we'll get to First Peter. <laughs> is that okay? Because First Peter gets to the reasons. Okay, Fear God, okay, conduct your life with fear, during your stay here on earth, and then, and, then he, and then Peter gives us reasons, right? Because God is our Father, because He's redeemed us with His Son's, you know, uh, blood. So he, he, he touches on, on the reasons. But before we get to the reasons, I want to look at a lot of passages this morning that, that, that will help you guys think about the fear of God, what that is, and what that kind of what that looks like, okay? So that's what we're going to do this morning. Okay, the, the, the biblical definition of the fear of God, if you're looking at your, out, your handout, that's the first one. I think that's like letter A or number one, the, the definition of the fear of God. And then next Sunday, we'll concentrate on First Peter and look at the reasons for fearing God. Okay, so we're going to be looking at a lot of passages this morning. So I want you guys to uh, try and catch up and, and turn to the passages and, and listen as I read them to you. Okay, so we'll... Let's look at the definition of fearing God. What, what comes to your mind when you hear the command, fear God? Okay, the command from the Bible, hey, fear God. What comes to your mind when the Bible commands you to fear God? Yes, Jonathan. 
not to be scared of him, but to be humble. Okay. What else? I I saw a hand back here. Was it was it you, Jeremy? No. Okay, it's gone. Hands gone. What do you guys think? You're reading your Bible, and there's a command for you: fear God. What do you th- What do you think? Yeah, Jack. Respect. Good. Yeah. That's a good answer. What else? Yes, Rachel. Reverence, yep, like honor, awe, yep, Isaiah, obedience, good. Have you guys ever thought of, oh, that's not right, I should not fear God. You guys ever thought it that way, that we should not fear God? So you guys all agree that we should fear God. would Would you say that we should be scared of God? Because it's the same. Fear and, you know, being scared is the same. We shouldn't be scared of God, but we should fear God. How do you differentiate the two? You fear your father, your dad? Yeah? Are you scared of your dad? No? Yes, Ryan. Okay. Good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so good. Uh, I'm going to help you guys reconcile the two, okay? The Bible is going to teach you guys, uh, what I've been learning, that you should be scared of God and you should fear God, okay? You should be scared of Him. You should be afraid of Him, and you should fear Him. All, all of those things, all right? Look at, look at the, the definition there. Um, the fear of God has two sides to it. So I, you know, just kind of picking the, the, the best word for the two sides of the fear of God. So I'll say that the, the first side of the fear of God is dreadful fear. You dread him. Dreadful fear. Like trepidation type, like scared. Okay, so that's the first one. That's the fill in the blank. Dreadful fear. The second one is reverential fear. Reverential fear. If you don't know how to spell it, just respectful fear. <laughs> Or you can ask your neighbor. So that, those are the two sides of the fear of God, okay? Dreadful fear and reverential fear. So let, let's look at the first one, dreadful fear. To, to dread God is to be terrified of him, to be, to be frightened of him, to be scared of him. And the Bible talks about that, okay? And, and again, unfortunately, churches don't teach the fear of God, okay, the general theme of the fear of God, uh, and they don't even... So if they if they don't teach that they're not they're never gonna go, get to this side of the fear of God of the of the of the dreadful you know terrifying frightening fear of God so this is probably the first time you'll hear hopefully not uh, a teaching on on the fear of God uh, this side of it the dreadful fear of God it's all over the Bible okay. Um, I think I give you Genesis 3 there. So in Genesis 3, this is, uh, this is talking about anyone who disobeyed God should dread God, should be scared of God, should fear God in a dreadful, terrifying way in Genesis 3. Who sinned in Genesis 3? Who disobeyed God in Genesis 3? Adam and Eve, right? So go to Genesis chapter 3, okay, and look at, just jump to verse 10. 
Again, the point of this is that anyone who disobeys God should be, should be terrified of him, should fear him. Genesis 3, look at verse 10. So Adam disobeyed God, and after, you know, after he ate the fruit, he hid himself, and then God shows up in the garden looking for Adam, right? He's looking for Adam, and Adam answers God, and he, he says to God in verse 10, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was what? Afraid. Do you think that's reverential fear or dreadful fear? Dreadful fear. I was afraid, terrified, because I was naked, so I hid, him, I, said, I hid myself. Because he disobeyed. He knew. He was warned in the beginning to not do that. And he was warned, the, with the, he was given the consequences if he disobeyed that, and he did it any, anyway. So he was fearful of God. Go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. So Genesis 3, if you disobey God, you should dread him. Luke chapter 12, if you're a Christian, you should dread God. Okay, you should dread God. You should be terrified, afraid of God. So not only, not only when you disobey him as a Christian, not only when unbelievers disobey him, but also Christians all the time. Luke chapter 12, um, this is Jesus teaching his disciples. Okay, and bef- and if you read the whole chapter, you'll notice that he, you know, he, the, the crowd is, you know, growing, increasing. You know, they want to hear Jesus Christ teaching. But before Jesus turns to the whole crowd and teaches them, he, he gives like a mini session, private session to his own disciples. And, and his disciples are believers, Christians, you know, except one. So you wonder, okay, they're, they're believers. They love Jesus Christ. They follow Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus Christ is giving them a private teaching on the fear of God and he's commanding them to fear God in a way that is in a, in a terrifying, dreadful kind of way. Look at it. Chapter 12, uh, verse 4. Verse 4. So Jesus is teaching the disciples, I say to you, my friends, okay, these are not unbelievers, these are not Jesus Christ's enemies, these are the disciples, believers, Christians, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more than have no more that they can do meaning they can just kill you they can't do anything else after that verse 5 but i will warn you these are strong words from jesus himself i will warn you whom to fear fear the one okay, it's, it's uppercase o so that's referring to god fear god the one who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. So he determines where you will go after you die. And then Jesus says emphatically, I tell you, Christians, disciples, fear him. So you think that's reverential fear or dreadful fear? That's dreadful fear. Somebody who can, who can cause your death physically and has the power to send you to hell if you're, if you're an unbeliever. And the disciples, believers, Christians, needed to hear that warning so that they would f- be scared of God. So that's the dreadful um, side of the fear of God. 
The second side is reverential fear. Okay, let's look at a couple of passages here, reverential fear. Now, if you know, some churches do, do teach about the fear of God, but, but not all of those churches who do teach about the fear of God uh, teach about the dreadful fear of God. They only focus on the reverential fear of God. You know, if you, if you talk to a Christian and you talk to them, you know, you open your Bible, right, the conversation handbook, and then you say, hey, let's talk about the fear of God, right? Most likely, uh, they're just going to focus on the reverential fear of God. It, but, I, I, you know, I want to make the case from all these passages that you need to have both. Okay, the Bible is balanced. The Bible is very balanced if it says, be scared of God because of his power and his authority and because of his authority and power to, to judge you, then you need to have that kind of fear. And then when the Bible also says that you need to honor him, be in awe of him and respect him, that kind of fear, you need to have, you need to have that also. And, and if you're wondering, well, how can I have both? Well, you can because the Bible is commanding you to have both. So you need to be balanced. Okay, so this is this, is this side of the fear of God, the reverential fear of of God is the most common side. But let's look at a couple of passages. Go to Acts chapter 9. Okay, if, you, if you're in Luke, just keep going. Luke wrote Luke, and then Acts also is written, written by Luke. So Acts chapter 9. Here, the, the point that I want to make here is that the church, okay, the church is is the church. Um, uh, who, what kinds? What kind of people are are in the church? Mem- members of the church. What what kind of people make make up the church? Yes, Christians, right? Christians. So here in Acts nine, Luke is going to make a case that churches, okay, but body of Christians of believers, need to be characterized by the fear of God, and here it, I think it's going to be on the reverential side of the fear of God. Okay, Luke, uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 31, Luke describes the early church as a group of believers who, who revered God, who respected God. Verse thir- 31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, so all over the place, you know, back in the days, enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the what? The fear of the Lord, meaning that was, that was their daily lifestyle, going about with their lives in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. So early churches were char- characterized by the fear of God, respected and revered and honored God. So the church should fear God in this way. Uh, number two, the, the, the Christian should also fear God in this way, in the reverential fear. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. When your parents discipline you guys, is that a proof that you guys are legitimate, true children of your parents? When they, when they discipline you? Does that prove that, that you guys belong to your parents? Yeah, yeah. Did you guys know that if you foster, you can't discipline your children? 
I know that's just the law of Arizona, but it makes sense, right? If, if, if I were to foster someone, um, that, that, that child is not my son nor my daughter. So I'm, I, I, I can be okay not to discipline that child because I only discipline who? My children, right? Who, who babysits here? Okay, you guys have babysat before. When you guys babysit, do you discipline those kids? <laughs> no, <laughs> you wouldn't do that. What, why not? They're not your children. Okay, they're not your children. When I discipline my kids, I tell them, okay, does this, the, did that hurt? Yes, daddy, that hurt. But, but if I did not discipline you after you sinned, does that prove that I love you? No, daddy. Does that prove that I'm treating, treating you like my child? No. And, and it's the same way with the relationship of a child of God and, and to our, our Heavenly Father, God Himself. It's the same way. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. So the, po- the point here is that if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you belong to God, right? You're not, you're not a foster child of God, meaning you, he, you know, he loves you now, but then He lets you go, you know, gives you away later. God doesn't do that if you are his legitimate child. If you are a Christian, you should fear God in, in this way, reverential type of fear. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons or daughters, you know, children of God. For what son is there whom his father, okay, this is now talking about earthly fathers like my dad and your fa- your fathers for what son is there whom his father does not discipline but if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers then you are illegitimate children and not sons foster child you know ba- baby babysitting kids you're not you, you don't belong to that parent Verse 9, furthermore, we, ha- we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them, right? After I disciplined my kids, you know, two hours later, they still fear me in a respectful way. They still come to me, they still hug me, they still kiss me, like they've forgotten what I just did to them, <laughs> right? They still say, I love you, you're the best. That's that type of fear here, Okay. We had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of Spirits? That's talking about God. He's just saying, how much more should we respect and fear our Heavenly Father who disciplines us? Verse 10, For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but He, our God, Father, Heavenly Father, discipline us for our good so that we may share His holiness. So, do I, do I discipline my kids perfectly? No. Have I spanked them for something that they did not do? They're actually innocent? Yeah. Yeah. But do they still respect me? Fear me? Yes. Does our hev- has, has your Heavenly Father ever disciplined you for something that you did not do? No, right? When he disciplines, it's always for your good, the author says. So he says, how much more should you fear him in a reverential way? Because his discipline is perfect.
perfect, spot on, right? No more, no less. And it's always just, it's always right, and it's always for your good. Why would he do that? Why would he discipline you? Because he wants you to be holy, which we looked at last Sunday. He wants you to be just like him. So that's, that's the reverential fear of God. Now, I only gave you two passages for each. Okay? If, you, if you're not convinced, like, oh, I don't know if we should really have both. Well, I have 14 other passages. Okay? That, that we can look at, but we don't have time. So here's what I'll do. I will just read them really fast. Okay? And if you, if you miss them, um, you, can, you can ask me later. I'll give you the references. Okay, other, other passages that talk about both. Again, the Bible is what? Balance, right? Is it, is it biblical and, it, is it, and is it balanced to be scared of God with you know, that, that dreadful kind of fear and, and, and respect Him and honor Him with that reverential fear? Is it biblical to have both? Yes, because the Bible is balanced. The Bible commands us to have both. Okay, so just listen to these passages. Exodus 18, okay, Exodus 18. God told Moses to find God-fearing leaders. Interesting, right? Le- he said, I want, you to, I, w- I want you to, you know, I want you to have help leading my people. And here's a main char- characteristic that I want you guys to look, uh, that I want you to look for, a God-fearer. Exodus chapter 20, okay, Moses says there that the fear of God makes us holy. It makes us holy. That if you fear God, you will, you will, you will be scared to sin against him. Exodus 20. Deuteronomy 21. Okay, I'm, just, I'm not giving you the verses. Just find, just find it <laughs> so that you can write faster. De- Deuteronomy 21. Okay? God commanded Israel, okay, the chosen people, okay, God's people, okay, his covenant people, he, com- he commanded them to fear him. Now you're like, why would, why would he do that? Well, because he wanted them to be scared of him. You know, Exodus 20, 10 commandments on, you know, God, God showed up right on uh, top of Mount Sinai and then everything started quaking, you know, lightning, everything was really scary. And the Israelites said, oh, Moses, you know, keep us away from him. And then God says, hey, I actually want you guys to fear me in that way. I want you to be scared of me. And that was to the Israelites, God's chosen people. He didn't just say, hey guys, stop, stop being scared of me. Just respect me and honor me. No, it was actually an appropriate fear. Job chapter 1. Okay, both Satan and God described Job as a God-fearer. Proverbs 1. 7 and 9, 10, you guys are familiar with that, right? The bookends of that section, chapters 1 through 9, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of understanding, the beginning of knowledge is what? The fear of the Lord. You can say both, right? Reverential and dreadful fear. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, right? Solomon, after he lived his life, he said, you guys, you know what? I have tried everything. Everything is vain. Here is the main purpose of every humankind. Here's my final charge to all of you. uh, Solomon says in in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, fear God. He said, fear God. Psalm 119, uh, 120. Yeah, 119, 120. Um, The psalmist 
says there, who is a believer, right? He says there, Psalm 119, 120, that we are to fear um, offending God. And then he talks about the forgiveness of God that causes the fear of God. Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32, the new covenant, right? God makes a covenant. He makes a, 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 a promise, a mega promise to his people. And he says, I will put within your heart what? The fear of me. I will put it in your heart. Romans chapter 11. Okay, go to, to the New Testament. Romans chapter 11. Uh, Gentiles, so non-Jewish people like us. Because you can read the Old Testament. Oh, you know, the fear of God is just for the Israelites. No, it's also for Gentiles like us, the non-Jewish people. That's in Romans chapter 11. Gentiles are commanded to fear God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Okay, Because you fear God, you will be compelled to share the gospel with other people because you know what they are going to face after they die if they do not repent and trust in Jesus Christ. So the fear of the Lord compels us, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The fear of God causes us to persuade people to believe the gospel. So I can't just go around sharing the gospel and say, hey, you don't really need to fear God. You know, he's, he's all right. Jesus is your friend, right? Jesus is your homeboy. He's a, he's a, you know, here's a t-shirt. <laughs> no, you tell unbelievers, no, you need to fear God. And that's what's causing me to compel you to believe the gospel. So it even, it even uh, um, applies to the way we share the gospel. Hebrews chapter 4. Okay, verse 1, uh, the fear of God uh, helps us to persevere in our faith, to not fall away, to not leave Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 11, right? Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 11, very, very well-known chapter in the book of Hebrews. That is, that is about what? Chapter 11 of Hebrews. The what? About faith. Yeah, about people's faith, right? And, and, and in that section, okay, in that section, Abraham uh, is brought up as an example of faith. But you know what, what other aspect, characteristic of Abraham was brought up? His fear of God. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 about Abraham, you can say that faith and fear go hand in hand. Faith and fear go hand in hand. Abraham was an example of that. By faith, Abraham believed, it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and for the rest of his life, he feared God. Uh, tri trivia question, okay? Let's say, I, I hope, you know, I hope you are, you're convinced that, okay, we need to fear God in that way. We need, to, we need to be, we need to have that dreadful kind of fear, and we also need to have that reverential kind of fear. Now, pop, uh, pop quiz. Will we, as Christians, fear God in those two ways after we die, when we are in heaven with him? Any guess? Will we continue to fear God in heaven? Yes, we will. Yes. Yes. Why? Because... Um, there's one passage that talks about uh, 
the fear of God in heaven. Now, that passage doesn't say, hey, you, you only fear God in this way. So it's kind of hard to, to make a case that, hey, this one stops, but this one continues, right? And, and, if, and if the fear of God that talks about the dreadful kind of fear of God is, is um, caused by God's glory and holiness and his purity, right, which, which we will see 100% in heaven. I, so I, I don't think that type of fear will go away. Does that make sense? So there's one passage. I don't know if there's any other passages, but in Revelation chapter 15, okay, so, so, so John writes Revelation, right, the book of Revelation, and, and he's receiving all these visions, right, about Jesus Christ, about the end times. And in Revelation chapter 15, he receives a vision of what heaven looks like, right? And he's like, there are people there right now, and there are angels there right now. And in Revelation chapter 15, uh, 2 to 4, uh, that, they, that we will also fear God in heaven. We will fear God in heaven. So, that's what, 13, 14, 15 passages. So, I think, let, let me give you two illustrations that will help you guys uh, think more about the two sides of the fear of God. Okay, hopefully, hopefully you'll, you'll begin to like put them together and see them as a one, one package deal, okay, so that you can be balanced like the Bible is, okay? Here's an illustration that I, that I found really helpful from that book, The Forgotten Fear, where I have all the God fears uh, gone by Al Martin. So listen to, to this illustration that he used, okay? The first side of the fear of God can be described as experiencing terror or dread. Okay, that's what we looked at the first time. It is the kind of fear of a nine-year-old boy feels when he is walking home from school. Any ni- no, no, let's say 12-year-olds. Any 12-year-olds here? All right, good. The kind of fear of a 12-year-old boy feels when he is walking home from school, turns the corner, and sees the neighborhood bully standing in the middle of the sidewalk. There stands a, a let's say, 20, 20-year-old kid who is 5 feet 10 inches, let's say 6, 6 feet tall. 6, inch, uh, six feet tall who loves to beat up little 12-year-olds who are only 4 feet tall. When this little 12-year-old turns the corner and sees the bully who looks like a giant to him, suddenly he is gripped with terror and dread. The dread is based on the recognition of the potential harm. He doesn't know if he'll harm him, but he knows that there is that potential harm that the bully can do to him. So that's that dreadful, terrorizing, frightening fear. He continues on. He says, on the other hand, the second side of the fear of God can be described as giving honor or reverence. That's what we looked at, okay? Consider the same 12-year-old boy. He is no longer confronted by the bully, but he is now with his schoolmates and have taken a class trip to Washington, D.C. As they walk through the White House, suddenly an official approaches the boy and says to him, kind of like, this, this boy right here? Yes, that boy. All right approaching and then and then the 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 official approaches the boy and says to him the president of the united states wishes to talk with you 
Immediately, the boy's eyes open wide, his breath begins to increase, and he stammers, He wants to talk with me? Yes, to you. Your name is, your name is uh, Jonathan Domers, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's me. So, and the author says, the boy is gripped with fear, not the fear of dread. This is the fear that comes when an individual stands in the presence of someone who is superior in worth and in dignity. So, I, I think that's helpful. But it, again, that illustration doesn't really capture everything that the Bible talks about the fear of God because, because it, the, the fear is coming from two different sources, right? The bully and the president. Well, the Bible says that we can have both from the same source, from God himself. But I, th I thought that was helpful, right, the, to describe the two types of fear. Here's another illustration, okay, that, that, uh, that I think is going to be helpful also to understand the fear of God. What is the most terrible thing or the most terrible sin that you can commit that would just break your parents' hearts? I don't know if, if they've told you, like, hey, don't ever do this, because if you do this, it will just break our hearts. Yeah, John. Okay, drugs. What else? Right. Murdering, murdering someone? Yeah, yeah, that's legitimate. Yeah, taking somebody's life. Yeah, but like, let's take it down the notch a little bit, okay? Like, like, something that you can actually be tempted <laughs> um, to do, and your parents are like, don't do that. It would just crush us. Lying. Yep, lying. I'll give you some of my answers. Okay, this is, um, I can't, I, well, one is from me, and then the other two, I just made them up. Uh, skipping school and riding with a friend to go to the mall and shoplift. Oh, if, you're, if, you, do, if you did that and your parents found out? How about this? Changing a bad grade on your exam to an A and showing your parents. No one's ever done that here, <laughs> right? That would crush your parents' hearts. How about this? Going on, going on immoral websites on your computer and erasing the search history. There are, there are, other, there are other examples. Now, now, how would you respond to a friend who says, hey, hey, let's skip school. I'll drive. You don't drive? I'll drive and go to the mall and shoplift. Hey, Let's, uh, you know, it's okay. You, you got a bad grade, it's fine. Let me change it for you, and you can show it to your mom and dad that you got an A. Hey, check out these websites. Oh, but they're going to find out. That's fine. I'll show you how, to, how you how to clear history searches. Really? You can do that? Oh, yeah, you can do that. What if your friend starts saying those things to you? Hey, let's do this. How would you respond? Thinking about your parents. Think about their hearts, their love for you. How would you respond? My parents would kill me. Now, is that, is that the dreadful or the reverential type of fear? Dreadful. No, I, I would never do that. Why? Why wouldn't you do that? Because that would, that my, my parents would kill me. My dad would kill me. That's the dreadful kind of fear. 
How about this? No, I'm, don't ask me to do that. Don't tempt me to do that. That's sin. I would never do that to my parents because that would kill my parents. Is that reverential or dreadful? Reverential. You see the difference? Right? I would never do that. I would never do that to my parents because they're, they're going to kill me if, if I did that. That's, you, you dread your parents because of their strength and authority and power to discipline you. But at the same time, you can also say on the other side, man, that would kill my parents. I would never do that to them. I would never put my parents through that. That would kill them. That would crush their hearts. Because why? Because you respect them. You honor them. That's reverential fear. So putting, putting all those passages together, okay, those two illustrations, I hope they were helpful. So putting them all together, here's, here's a, my simple definition of the fear of God, okay? You can, I think it's on the other side of your handout, okay? The simple definition of the fear of God. To fear God is to be concerned, okay, to be concerned, not to offend Him. Okay, not to offend Him. That's the dreadful fear. And to be eager to please Him. That's the reverential side. That's the fear of God. That's the whole package. That's the one package deal. You need to have both. Okay, you're concerned about offending God, and you're also eager to please Him at the same time. When you guys think that way, okay, when you guys live your life in that way, then you have the fear of God. Man, I would never do that to God. Why? Because He's going to kill me. He's not literally going to kill me, but He can discipline me and punish me for that. I mean, I'll never do that to God. Why? Well, because that will kill Him. After he's done for me, I mean, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to forgive me of my sins, and to, and to adopt me as his child. I mean, he's done all of that for me because he loves me and cares for me. Why would I do that to him? That would kill him. That would crush his heart. So that's what the fear of God is. Now, if you've been sitting there and, and maybe, you know, I'm sure a lot of you were thinking, yeah. I've never thought of it that way. That's very helpful that I need, I need both. I, I think many of you are thinking that way. But now, I don't know if there's some of you who are thinking, ah, I don't really care about this fear God nonsense, right? I fear no one. You know, I am the captain of my own destiny, you know. I don't care about this Bible stuff. Right? I don't fear anyone. Well, if, if that's kind of what you're thinking about, right? Let me give you some lessons here, just two. Just two lessons from two passages and consider these things as warnings. If you don't fear God, okay, in the way that we've been looking at, if you don't fear God in that way, um, what do you think your life here on earth is going to look like if you don't have that kind of fear? What do you guys think? If somebody doesn't fear God in that way, what, what kind of life will they end up living on earth? A what? Worldly one. Worldly one. Lots of sin, most likely, right? Immoral, lots of committing sin. Did you guys know that the fear of God is one of the many, uh, I would say, restraints 
of God that he uses to, to help us not go from bad to worse. Right? He gives us uh, authority figures like the government and your parents and your teachers and the cops as, re- as a restraint so that we would not go from bad to worse. He gives us our conscience, you know, that, that thing inside of you, inside of your heart that, that restrains you from going from bad to worse. And guess what? The fear of God is also a restraint from God. So if somebody says, I don't care about the fear of God, you know, I'll just chuck it out the window. I don't think about it. I don't do it. I don't believe in it. You know what? You'll go from bad to worse. Okay? You're already bad. I mean, you're, you're born sinners, right? But if you don't have the fear of God, you will go from bad to worse. Okay? Go to Romans chapter 1. Okay? Romans chapter 1. This is what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 1. When you do not fear God, you will go from bad to worse. If you do not fear God, like we've been talking about, you will go, okay, it is a guarantee from bad to worse. If you, if you have met people who are, you know, have gone from bad to worse, it's because they don't fear God. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. Actually, j- jump to verse 21 for time's sake. Verse 21. For even though they knew God, okay, these are unbelievers, n- not, you know, not Christians. Even though they knew God, meaning they, they know of God, they know that he exists, they did not honor him. Same, same word there that is used sometimes for fear. They did not fear him as God or give thanks, but they became hopeless in their speculations and foolish in their hearts. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an, an image in the form of corruptible man, just making idols. Verse 24, so look at the result. Okay, so verse 21, they do not fear God, right? Look at, look at the result. This is the kind of life that you will have if you do not have the fear of God. Okay, so consider this a warning. Okay, listen very carefully. Verse 24, Therefore, okay, here's what's going to happen to you, the, the kind of life that you will have. God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Look at verse 26. Jump, jump down to verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over, second time, to degrading passions, very sinful desires. For, for, for women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also men abandon the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire f- toward one another. So homosexuality is, is what Paul is talking about here, is describing. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer... God gave them over the third time to a depraved mind. So again, you you go from bad to what? Worse, if you do not fear God. To do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, Haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, 
without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. What's the point from Paul there? The point is this. If you do not fear God, like we've been talking about, okay, if you don't care about what I've been talking about, <laughs> okay, if you think that you're the person who fears no one, Paul says, let me warn you. you your life here on earth will go from bad to worse. You will go from, you will go from, um, from immorality, sexual immorality, to homosexuality, to out-of-control depravity. I mean, look at his list at the end there. Just out-of-control, sinful and wicked kind of lifestyle. That's, what you will end, that's where you will end up if you do not fear God. So that's the first warning. If you don't fear God, you'll go from bad to worse. Number two, if you don't fear God, you'll face his judgment. You'll face his judgment. So on earth, what kind of life? Bad to worse. How about afterlife? Well, you'll face his judgment. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, this is the last passage for this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. You guys have been doing great flip, flipping in your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 30, verse 30. For we know him, so the author is saying, we know God, who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a what? Terrifying thing, the author says. It's a dreadful thing, a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So if you don't have the fear of God right now, you'll go from bad to worse. He, uh, Romans chapter 1. If you continue to not repent of that sin, if you do not turn away from your sinful lifestyle, if you do not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you keep rejecting the gospel, guess what? You will face His judgment one day. Hebrews chapter 10. You guys see why this is so important, the fear of God? And you don't hear a lot of teachings on it, right? C Christians get it all mixed up, right? They only focus on one side and not the other, right? And even if we know both sides, does it really affect the way we live today? So if you're an unbeliever this morning, if you haven't turned away from your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ, I want you guys to... Take those two passages to heart, those warnings from Romans 1 and Hebrews 10. Okay? And if you're starting to think about, man, like, it is a terrible thing. It is a terrifying thing to have that kind of lifestyle here on earth and then to die in my sin and to, and to face God's judgment. That is a terrifying thing. If you're starting to think that way, talk to me. And I'd love, I'd love to sit down with you and and. and share the gospel with you and answer any questions that you may have because because it's pretty clear okay it's pr pretty clear how important the fear of God is so that's kind of a big 
you know, overview of the fear of God. Next Sunday, we'll, fo- we'll focus on 1 Peter chapter 1 and, and look at the reasons. Why should we have that kind of fear? Why should we be dreadful of God? Why should we be in reverence of God? We'll look at that next Sunday. Your, your homework then, okay, your homework is read 1 Peter chapter 1, okay, just, just verses 17 through 21, just the section on fear. And then I want you guys to come up with, with uh, reasons for fearing God. Why do you think we should fear God? Okay, so read that section and then come up as many reasons as you can think about why we should fear God. Okay, let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, this, this reminder from your word of who you are. You are God. You are the creator. You are the judge. And also what you have done, you have, you have sacrificed your own son. You have, you have um, uh, forsaken your own son on the cross so that we would be saved, so that we would be forgiven, so that we would become children of yours. And we ask, Father, that because of who you are and because of what you've done, we would have this balanced and healthy fear of you that we are dread, uh, in trepidation, dreadful, and that we are in awe and honor and, re- and reverence of you. And I pray that that would begin to affect the way we live starting today because, because we fear you. It would affect everything that we do, everything that we think about, everything that we say so that we would be pleasing to you. Thank you for this morning. And uh, we look forward to the main service in a little bit and for, for this week, what you have in store for us in Jesus' name. Amen.